0: My name's Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times, telling you what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This week, Trump, Murdoch, Fox News and the big lie. How a broadcaster got too close to a president and which critics say helped ferment the January the 6th insurrection that saw protesters attack the Capitol building at the heart of US government. We'll be hearing from Sarah Ferguson, the Washington-based reporter for Australia's ABC, which has made a devastating documentary about Fox and its modus operandi.
1: This hyperpartisan, partisan divisive broadcasting, personality-based, often specious in nature, presenting opinions as fact, using broadcasting to spread divisiveness, sometimes as I would say hate when it comes to the immigration debate, it's a very dangerous thing. It's done tremendous damage to America.
0: And it could be coming to Britain too. Rupert Murdoch has revived plans for a UK based TV news station and brought Piers Morgan on board to present a flagship nighttime show. We'll be getting a view from Peter Jukes from the Byline Times. Before that, just a reminder that we don't have any Murdoch style media magnet pulling our strings. The Byline Times podcast only exists thanks to subscribers to the monthly Byline Times newspaper, which costs just £36 a year. A subscription also helps fund our news-breaking website, Byline TV, and this pod. So do subscribe if you can. Get more details at bylinetimes.com. That's bylinetimes.com. And thanks if you've already done so. Now, the assault on the Capitol in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th was a truly scary moment for democracy in the U.S. and the West in general, as a mob whipped up by Donald Trump attacked the home of the U.S. legislature. Protesters were spurred on by what's been called the Big Lie, the claim that the election was stolen from Trump a lie given credence by at least some of the presenters on Rupert Murdoch's Fox News, which had extremely close ties to the President. It's a story that is brilliantly told in the documentary Fox and the Big Lie, made by ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, available on YouTube. From its foundation in 1996, Fox had always been centre-right and became the US number one cable network. But did its relationship with Trump cross the line where journalism becomes shameless propaganda? I've been speaking to the film's presenter, Washington-based ABC reporter Sarah Ferguson, who told me the story starts with the downfall of Fox News CEO Roger Ailes after he was outed for sexual harassment.
1: Blockbuster shakeup at Fox News after 20 years as the network's chairman this morning. Roger Ailes is out, stepping down amid allegations of sexual harassment.
2: The man who created conservative-leaning Fox News two decades ago was forced out over allegations of sexual harassment.
1: For Fox News, it's the end of a two-decade era that saw an ambitious startup cable network become not just a dominant force in television news, but a disruptor in the political dialogue of the nation as well. The view about Roger Ailes from the inside, as far as I could gather, and this is setting aside the question of his personal behavior, was that he understood profoundly the need to maintain the appearance of respectability for the news operation at Fox. So while there were plenty of egregious topics raised on Fox, there was a degree to which Roger Ailes understood that he needed to protect Fox's respectability by having limits, by having red lines, by trying to keep a church and state distinction between news and opinion. And he was, to some extent at least, effective in being able to do that. So, which raises the big question about what happens after Roger Ailes departs, but that was his success. One, in the success of Fox News as an operation, and two, in maintaining something of a gap between news and opinion on the channel, which is, I think, pretty much eroded now.
0: One of the strengths of your documentary, I think, is that you get accounts from both Gretchen Carlson, who was one of Roger Ailes' victims. You get people like Chris Starwalt, who was a political commentator on Fox News.
1: I mean, the great thing about having Chris Starwalt in it is that Chris Starwalt was the political editor of Fox in Washington for 10 years. So he was a journalistic leader, if you like, within the organization, running analysis. He was part of the Fox News decision desk, which was a very successful operation. So a prominent figure in Fox News' political reporting. So when you have people like that telling you what's going on, this is not me being dependent on people who don't like Fox News, but people who were loyal employees for a long time. Collectively,
0: they built up a picture of Fox after Rupert Murdoch set it up, but when the editorial leadership is taken by Roger Ailes, that Ailes, albeit that he was appointed by Murdoch, then set to keep Murdoch away from interfering with the output of the station. That that was the key insight, really, I think, about Roger Ailes.
1: I think as outsiders we can fall into the trap of seeing Rupert Murdoch's hands everywhere to to make him into a kind of demon figure. But this was interesting because it was the, the editorial, it was the battle inside Fox that Ailes was the big man. He wanted complete control of his operation and thought that he knew better than anybody else how to program a news channel, thought he knew certainly better than Rupert Murdoch and any of Murdoch's sons whom he resisted coming in and telling him what to do. So a kind of classic intergenerational power struggle there with the Murdoch children. But That battle between Murdoch and Ailes went on for a long time. According to insiders, Ailes would tell the staff at Fox, watch out for the Murdochs. If they come in, they'll turn this into another liberal channel. So that was his mantra. And he had persuaded the staff there that he was the only thing that stood between them and turning Fox into another left, what they would call another liberal or left-leaning cable news channel.
0: Which is hugely ironic in light of what happened next, isn't it? Because uh, Ailes was brought down by his behaviour. Women started coming forward, giving testimony about his behaviour, and that eventually led to his departure from the station. At this point, Rupert Murdoch then decides to take personal control of Fox and its editorial direction, and this happens just as Trump secures the presidential nomination, and the blurring of the line between news and opinion really starts to take hold at Fox from this point on.
1: Well, that's the story as told by the insiders we spoke to, and it's a convincing one, it's persuasive. Roger Ailes is removed from Fox on the very day that Donald Trump takes the nomination and I didn't know that before starting out to report on this particular story that the Fox team were at the convention center where Trump was going to be nominated and a you know a teleconference was set up in in a back room at the convention Center in Cleveland and the news was relayed to the staff that Ailes was out a massive moment that was the you know the biggest event in the history of Fox to that point. At the moment that Donald Trump is about to come on stage in that extraordinary sort of TV-inspired moment where he appears out of the clouds to accept the party's nomination. I humbly and gratefully
0: accept your nomination for the presidency
1: of the United States. You couldn't write it better. There isn't a group of writers, notwithstanding the brilliant success of the succession series who could have written a more perfect dramatic convergence than those two things happening at that time and as you say from that moment there is according to the people we spoke to a shift in the editorial control that the opinion hosts in particular that is the very successful nighttime opinion hosts for Fox News and for the Fox Business Channel really start to have more and more impunity for the way in which they run those shows and i think this is the biggest challenge with fox is that it's called fox news but so much of its successful output it was the evening period and then gradually it, it starts creeping back into the day that these are opinion hosts they're not news programs but it's still called fox news and they're talking about news and i find that blurring of line between news and opinion you know i'm a traditional journalist it troubles me very very much
0: The fate, then, of Donald Trump, presidential hopeful, and Fox News, under the, as you understand it, editorial guidance of Rupert Murdoch, then are entwined, thoroughly entwined from then on in.
1: Well, that's right. And Donald Trump, who believes that, as he goes on to say later on, that he becomes the golden goose for Fox, you know, their ratings go up, the Fox audience and the Trump audience converge in an extraordinary way. In fact, what we're now seeing in America is the degree to which that audience that Fox was part of building is actually out of Fox's control. It's almost out of control of the Republican Party. It's turned into a group of people it's almost like Frankenstein's monster. Something has been unleashed here in the United States that's really dangerous, and it's why I'm talking to you and it's why I keep talking about this story because I have a feeling that people don't really grasp how dangerous the loosening of the bonds of democratic norms has been here, and that really happened. It's not that Fox created it, but Fox was a player in that as Donald Trump sought to take control of Fox News and to program it by tweet The presenters at Fox, Sean Hannity in particular, Janine Pirro as well, uh, Lou Dobbs, they became, if you like, the er cabinet for Trump. He had his Fox cabinet. He was taking very regular advice from those presenters, and it's not a new thing to have newspapers or a journalistic output falling in with supporting, getting behind a political party or a leader. It's the degree to which they did it. And because of the amount of power that is concentrated in Washington, it's the effect that that can have. And I think that's the distinction that people made, that Roger Ailes knew that while they are Right of centre, they should not be all in for any person or any party. And in fact, Lachlan Murdoch said as much in a press conference, but that's what Fox became. It became Trump's channel. Mm. What was
0: in it for Rupert Murdoch then, for his channel to be so closely aligned with one side of the US political divide?
1: The two big magic things for anybody whose life has been about this, the acquisition of more power and the acquisition of more money. So it was a massive rating success for Fox. The audience loved Trump. They tuned into Trump. They loved to see Trump phoning into their preferred presenters. Those presenters jockeyed with each other because there's always a human story on the other side as well. It's never monolithic as we know. The presenters jockeyed with each other to get Trump on. The audience would get to see Trump on their program So you've got Trump in their living room, in a way, being with just this intermediary of their favorite hosts. So it's getting to feel like they're very close to the Oval Office. They're just just one step away from what feels like real power. They're very close to the heart of the action, and that's intoxicating. And I think it made for very exciting, sometimes awful, but very exciting television for thousands and thousands of people. So you've got that going on. But then Rupert Murdoch got out of this, a very close relationship with Donald Trump. And the one thing that had eluded him, we know he was close to Tony Blair. We know he's had strong relations with Australian politicians, but he got to have very good access to an American president, you know, the ultimate power move on earth. I suppose you could say it would be having Xi Jinping's mobile phone number today, but um, that's probably a, w- a way off for anybody in uh, in the West. Next to that, and certainly during that period, it gave Rupert Murdoch the ultimate thing, which is quick, immediate contact with Trump. And he used it and he was in contact with Trump very regularly. And that puts him in a position of power that he hadn't been able to acquire up until that point. So power and money, just like it always was. And Trump,
0: prior to the election, sowed the seeds of the idea that the election would be stolen from him. That was something that he and his supporters put out there, the idea that if we lose this election, it will only be because they have stolen it from us. And on election night itself, that became crucially important because on Fox News, you had the decision desk and Chris Stywalt and a team of reliable political journalists were on that decision desk and they called the state of Arizona for Joe Biden. And this was just the news that Trump did not want to hear.
1: So on election night, What Trump needed to do was to keep the narrative alive that he was winning on election day because Trump had sown the seeds that it was mail-in ballots that were going to be the cause of the so-called fraud in the election. They had created a narrative very clearly that the mail-in ballot system that had been enhanced because of the coronavirus was somehow going to be subject to fraud. The only way we're going to lose this election is if the election is rigged. Remember that. Because in most states, votes cast on election day accounted first. Trump needed to be winning on election day into the night. He needed to say that he was ahead so that he could say when the later votes come in, many of them the mail-in ballots, he could say something dishonest has happened. I was winning and then all of a sudden I wasn't winning. So this was central to his story of the fraudulent election that he had already told people was going to happen. And so what Fox did, the channel he regarded as his own channel, when they called Arizona for Joe Biden, they were the first channel to do it. And they were way ahead of the others. They were even ahead of the AP agency who they were sharing data with. So they were bolder than AP by calling a Republican state like Arizona for Joe Biden they completely destroyed that narrative that Trump was winning on election day, so it ruined, it didn't destroy, but it ruined the narrative that they had going. But what is this happening here? Why is Arizona blue? <laughs> Did we just call it? Did we make a call in Arizona? Oh, let's see. Now there's a check mark. Did our decision desk make it? Arizona, 11 electoral
0: votes.
1: Yes, we can. Okay, if that's the case, then, guys. Okay, time out. This
0: is a big development. Yeah.
1: The Fox News decision desk is calling Arizona for Joe Biden. That is a big get. People in the White House went bonkers. They start ringing. Everyone who knows anyone at Fox is ringing. Everyone's got relationships at Fox, and they start ringing saying, you've got to retract that call. And reporting from The Times says that Jared Kushner. reached out to Rupert Murdoch, various attempts to get Fox to retract that call, and Fox did not. As you say, it emanated from their very respectable decision desk. They were confident with it. They came under a lot of pressure, but they stuck to it. So that was a monumental event for Trump, and he responded by unleashing fury against Fox, which damaged its audience, certainly in the short term.
0: Yeah, and it was so damaging, as you say, because it undermined the narrative that he'd already laid the seeds for, that he could only lose the election if it was stolen from him. This was suggesting that actually, no, voters on the ground, never mind the mail-in ballots, voters on the ground who had cast their ballots on that day had voted for Biden rather than for him. And the decision desk was, in a sense, a throwback to the Roger Ailes days at Fox. It wasn't subject to the whims of Rupert Murdoch, and it was staffed by good, responsible journalists like Chris Stewart, who refused to bow to the pressure. No one who was my superior, I I received no instruction to reverse the call. Was it?
1: Was there a consideration?
0: There was a lot of question, right? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, are you sure? But there was not reverse this, you must reverse this. this. was. It wasn't that, it was, are you sure, 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 sure?
1: Wasn't there an executive who said that you should stop making calls?
0: I'm not gonna talk about that stuff.
1: The curious thing is that it was Rupert Murdoch who insisted that the data set be put together that enabled Fox to make that call. He got sick of lousy exit polls, because as we all know, exit polls in, when there's a lot of mail-in balloting aren't worth very much. But Rupert Murdoch had been getting increasingly angry, as I understand it, with election calling and how unreliable it had become. And so he decided that they would invest in a new system of data analysis, which is in fact what enabled them to make the call for Arizona. They're also very good at it. They've got very good political scientists in there and very good data people. But it's a fantastic irony. He wanted this to make Fox better at election calls and to win the ratings on election night. And it delivered up the one thing that Donald Trump didn't want.
0: What kind of pressure did Chris Starwalt and his team come under then to revoke that call for Biden in Arizona?
1: There was a lot of pressure. Now, as you know, this pressure can be enacted in different ways. It can be subtle. So I wasn't in the room for any of those meetings and I spoke to as many people as I could who were. You don't say retract the call. I'm not saying nobody said it, but that's not how it went as I understand it. The way it was put to me by people who were in meetings at the time was like an accountant looking for a bad receipt. They were looking for a respectable way to retract the call. So they were not prepared to retract the call without grounds because they knew that would bring opprobrium and mockery really on Fox News. So they were really stuck. So they were looking for some grounds, some way, something respectable, a set of numbers they could say was questionable, something to give them at least a kind of fig leaf of respectability to retract the call. But there was nothing because the call, of course, was right.
0: They being the executives rather than the Decision Desk team. What what happened to Chris Starwalt in the aftermath?
1: So Chris Starwalt, the head of the Decision Desk and the managing editor in Washington, were let go, fired, sacked, different words, different negotiations for each of them, but they left. Now Fox has maintained that they got rid of them for different reasons to do with this or that kind of reorganisation, but you don't lose the two people most responsible for that decision in the immediate aftermath of it without it being connected. So I don't think we need to pay any attention to their attempts to say it wasn't about the call. There was some critique of Chris Steywalt because – he came on and exuded great confidence in their decision. Lawsuits, schmorschutes, he said, when one of the presenters said, I understand there's going to be lawsuits. Of course, as we know in America, there's always lawsuits after elections. So he dismissed that and showed a kind of ebullient, rosy confidence in their decision. And I think that certainly was a contributor to his downfall.
0: And that then gives Rupert Murdoch A real problem, doesn't it? Because Fox News, the channel which he has driven editorially and which has supported Trump, now has a former president and a former president who is insisting that the election has been stolen from him. In the immediate aftermath of that election, how did Fox deal with that?
1: It went in many directions, like a kind of crazed pinball machine. It didn't know what to do because, as Gretchen Carlson pointed out, there are these fringe far-right operators in the US, Newsmax and OAN, who are all in for Trump in a way that Fox has never been. These are really extremist outlets who repeat any of the lies that Trump told about the election over and over and over again, A number of Fox viewers started migrating to these other outlets. And indeed, I was at a Trump rally recently and talking to people on the bus on the way to the rally. It was clear that they still harbored resentment against Fox. So, as Gretchen Carlson said, that when one of these new fringe operators got close to Fox, nipping at its heels in the immediate aftermath of the election, that would have sent a tremendous tremor through Fox News, like all operations. But it's a commercial operation, first and foremost. remember that. This is a money-making operation, a very successful money-making operation. It's about money before it's about anything. Yes, the proximity to power is important, but money first. So the threat to the ratings was huge. But you've got within Fox, according to people who work there, is that opinion hosts and their programs Operate like individual units. They have enormous power and they are difficult to control. They've created huge celebrities out of their top presenters, and the top producers and presenters, to a you know, not completely, but to a large degree, try to run their own shows refusing to do what they're told. So there is some autonomy in those programs. It's not an easy thing to run and you need a massive personality, a very strong editorial personality to control them. So in the aftermath, what happens is that the presenters, as always, as everywhere, competing with each other for viewers – some of them decide the best way to get back on top is to go all in for Trump and the big lie, which it begins to be called, as you know, it's a, a term that emanates from Nazi Germany. Hitler understood that it's much easier to be successful if you don't worry with small lies, tell a great big lie. That's the way to do it. And that's become the term in America for what Trump is still saying today about the election. And some of the presenters at Fox and the Fox Business Channel decided that they were all in for that. And so they gave airtime to Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell in particular, to spread this completely crazed story about a cyber hack on the voting machines that had caused the election to go. It's crazy. It was nonsensical. And they allowed them on time after time after time to spread this crazy story with its kooky characters that would be funny if it wasn't pulling at the bonds that hold the American democratic system together. This whole fraud is an insult against this, uh, this country. And the company counting it is not Dominion. It's Smartmatic, which is a company that was founded in 2005 in Venezuela for the specific purpose of fixing elections. That's their expertise, how to fix elections. And the president's lawyers alleging that American votes in a presidential election are actually counted in a foreign country. These are serious allegations. But the media has no interest in any of this. But you and I do, as we should.
0: And of course, this fed in ultimately to the assault on the Capitol. And this is why... This is so important. It isn't just about a TV station and a president and a row between the president and the owner of that TV station. This goes right to the heart of our respect for democracy.
1: You can't overstate this. And I think it's important in Australia and it's important in the UK because you can see these strands, these ways of talking. Politics has always been a tough, brutal game in the UK. But I think you're starting to see an infection there, as we certainly are in Australia, of this hyper-partisanship that has evolved in America. And what happened here, Fox, was by no means the only player in this, and they were not the single cause of January the 6th. But by airing Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell's crazy conspiracy theories about this stolen election. They certainly contributed. They made it respectable. This was not an idea that was only existing in the fringes of the internet. Yes, January the 6th, the organization of January the 6th didn't happen, didn't have anything to do with Fox. Its organization was on new, more right-wing platforms beyond Facebook and Twitter and into some of these new startups. But the idea... The idea of January the 6th, those people came to Washington to stop the Congress from certifying the election result because they had come to believe that the election was stolen and Fox played a role in legitimising that idea.
0: And that is very scary indeed. Where does Fox and Rupert Murdoch stand now?
1: Important to remember that Rupert Murdoch handed over control to Suzanne Scott, who is currently the CEO. Lachlan Murdoch is in charge of the parent organization. And remember, James Murdoch actually left the family company. When he did so, he said it was to do with certain editorial differences. He didn't like the way Rupert Murdoch's corporation was talking about climate change in particular and then because he had left the company, that by then he made a, a more direct comment about January the 6th and the insidious forces that had been unleashed in America, which is what exactly what we're talking about after the election. And he criticized those outlets who had allowed that to happen, which, of course, includes his brother and his father's own company, Fox News. The two companies, the voting machine companies in the US who had been accused of enabling this massive cyber attack that had stolen millions of votes from Donald Trump and given them to Joe Biden, those two companies started talking about legal action against Fox's presenters. And these cases are now trundling their way through the American system. Once Fox understood how much danger they were in, these are billion dollar lawsuits against Fox They very quickly put up stories contradicting their own coverage and stopped talking about the big lie. So right now, in the shadow of these massive lawsuits that are underway in America, Fox is not supporting the big lie. But at the same time, their coverage of the coronavirus, their coverage of immigration, their outrage factory continues to produce some of its worst material ever, actually, at the moment. So although they've had to retreat from the big lie, they're still at that divisive form of broadcasting that I think causes a great deal of harm to America and to Americans. Donald Trump, one of the problems is the mainstream media in America has decided that they spent too much time on Trump, that they augmented his effect. The thing is, Trump is irresistible. People like to know with sometimes with horror, but they like to know what he's doing. The mainstream media has got itself into a tricky position because it thinks it did too much to give Trump too much time and too much of a platform. And so they are not talking as much about what he's doing now. But the Republican Party remains entirely in the grip of Donald Trump. It's a complicated relationship. And I'm not sure Fox has completely worked out where it's going to go. Trump has said he's going to take revenge on all of the Republicans who voted to impeach him, the the small number. Tony Gonzalez, who was a candidate in Ohio, has withdrawn from that race, essentially ceding his seat to a Trump supporter called Max Miller. This is an indication of where the Republican Party is. You might not read about it every day, but the Republican Party remains the party of Trump, and at the moment there is no challenge to that. He is not finished with his claims that the election was stolen. He's going to do what he can to wreak revenge on anybody who voted against him. And where Fox goes in the elections next year and then the 2024 presidential election remains to be seen, but they have a very severe test ahead of them.
0: In the meantime, in the UK, Rupert Murdoch has announced that he is, after all, going to launch a news channel in conjunction with Piers Morgan, the well-known TV presenter here. We've spoken previously about the outsized influence that Rupert Murdoch wields on the media in Australia with the former Australian Prime Minister Kevin Rudd, and you've demonstrated some of the problems that Fox News has had and caused in the United States for democracy. How should we in the UK view Rupert Murdoch's proposal to launch a UK-based news station.
1: Fox News did a brilliant thing here, and there were clearly many, many Americans who felt that the cable news being offered at the time before the arrival of Fox News didn't speak for them. They always make this joke at Fox News that they found this niche in the American public, 50% of the public. It shouldn't be the case that people feel excluded from news, that their values are not represented. It's it's wrong. There they shouldn't be regional or political blocks that don't feel that they hear themselves on television radio or podcasts or wherever. So Let's remember that Fox did a good thing. It, it brought people to watch the news and there was an entirely respectable journalistic operation. There were good journalists at Fox doing good reporting. It's the opinion side of it that is completely out of hand. It's the same in Australia. We had Sky News, which had superb reporters, superb presenters, excellent political coverage, some of our very best journalists. And then we have something called Sky After Dark, which is modelled on Fox it's opinionated, bloviating, divisive broadcasting. So if it's a legitimate news service like Sky Wars in Australia, it's no problem. But it's the sky after dark model that we all have to be afraid of. This hyperpartisan, partisan divisive broadcasting, personality-based, often specious in nature presenting opinions as fact using broadcasting to spread divisiveness sometimes as i would say hate when it comes to the immigration debate it's a very dangerous thing it's done tremendous damage to america it's hurting australia there is plenty of room for right-wing views expressed properly journalism conducted respectably without going down the path of the Fox Opinion hosts. God help you if it takes off. It can't help. Britain already going through a terrible period of divisiveness. It seems from the outside like it's getting worse. I mean, I lived in the UK, particularly during the Thatcher prime ministership. I know politics in in the UK quite well. There's a lot to be afraid of if this is going to follow the path of Fox and Sky After Dark.
0: Sarah Ferguson, and I really would encourage you to check out both parts of ABC's Fox and the Big Lie, which is available on YouTube. The two election counting companies mentioned in the documentary, Smartmatic and Dominion, are now suing Fox for a combined total of 4.3 billion dollars. Fox News has said the ABC documentary amounts to a gross distortion of truth, has denied any responsibility for the January 6th riots, and claims that Four Corners ignored Donald Trump's criticism of Fox News coverage of the election. So what are the prospects for Murdoch's proposed Talk TV channel, which has hired Piers Morgan as a key presenter, and which will rival GB News for right-wing commentary in the UK? Peter Jukes is co-founder and executive editor of Byline Times.
2: What does he think we can expect? Well, we can expect more culture wars. Clearly, Morgan is slightly different from, for example, your average GB News presenter now, and that he does take counterintuitive steps. Famously, when he was on CNN about gun, you know, gun control, he was very for gun control and very vocal in opposition to you know the misuse of the Second Amendment. Back in the days when he was overall editor of the Mirror Group. He um, you know, took a stance against the Iraq War, got into a bitter problems because he had a fake front page showing abuse of Iraqi prisoners. But again, that's not in the classic line of Murdoch either of those positions. And just a third sort of point of comparison is his stance during the coronavirus now i will explain to you why i have many issues with Piers morgan's past but certainly during most of 2020 on the breakfast show he was on he had a very critical and powerful stance holding ministers to account over their handling british government's handling of the coronavirus which you know were, which were true and fair and accurate so he's a bit of a maverick figure but not as maverick as we think because I don't know how many people know Piers Morgan's history, but it basically he created celebrity journalism in the UK. He helped to found, I think he started off the Sun column, Bazaar. And he'd spend his life going to all these bars and trying to befriend people and betraying them by writing articles from them. And from that got to very young to become editor of the News of the World, where a certain Rebecca Wade, as she was then now, Rebecca Brooks, was a junior, well, actually a junior editor at that point, and they got on famously. And his successor in The Sun as head of the Bizarre column was Andy Coulson. So those three, Coulson, Brooks, and Morgan, two of whom figured very heavily in the hacking trial, the phone hacking trial, eight years ago, and so did Morgan, more peripherally, a very tightly knit group who, came, in a way, part of this new form of journalism, especially with the rise of the internet, which is celebrity journalism. It's focused a lot on the private lives of stars. So they form a cohort. Now, Morgan departed News of the World, and soon after, under a bit of a shadow, and soon after, Rebecca Brooks took over, and after that, Andy Coulson took over, and then, as we all know, Andy Coulson was sent to prison for phone hacking. That's a new generation. And I think Murdoch is looking for both, you know, the kind of TV, reportedly, according to Ender's analysis, he wants to watch, where he's in Henley at the moment for his 90th birthday party, a bit late celebrated because of the lockdown. But also, I think he's looking to a successor generation, you know, who's going to, at least in the UK, take over these famous properties of News UK. I would suggest, though, that it won't be a
0: facsimile of Fox News, not least because of Britain's broadcasting regulations, which will prevent that kind of blurring of opinion and fact, which clearly happened under Murdoch's helmsmanship at Fox.
2: We have that rule, but Ofcom is more uh, honoured in the breach than the observance at the moment. There is a concerted attempt to... Let's say neuter or defang of which is one of the best regulators in the world admired globally for the way it manages to steer a path between free expression and factuality i mean you know as you know if your listeners don't know there has been a repeated attempts to install paul dacre Former rather foul mouthed editor of the mail as head of Ofcom, a man who's often criticized regulations, berated the BBC, and for whatever his strengths or weaknesses is not impartial. So I'd be wary of relying on Ofcom under the current government and its system of, I'd say, crony appointments to things like the Charities Commission. And to so a lot of these regulators, they are their independence is being undermined. And this may be a strategic plan. We know that. Several, you know, conservative lords were investors or shareholders in GB News. GB News pushed the boundary, but maybe Ed, you know more about this. The thing GB News, this kind of slight misnomer because it's mainly owned overseas and half its directors don't live in the UK. But the news bit of it, you can get around the sort of impartiality rule if you don't declare. If you declare, actually, you're an opinion channel. So it'll be very interesting to see how they negotiate that. Now, Ofcom did investigate Morgan's comments about mental health and Meghan Markle, and they came to the conclusion that in the balance of the program where Piers Morgan was attacking a member of our world family, that the other commentators defending her or defending the mental health issues she faced balanced it all out. So... They're, Ofcom did intervene on that. They are still keeping an eye on things. Maybe, you know, that you're right. Maybe there is a break there, but they are pushing it all the time. They want to break it. They want to have uh, an ideological, famously under Roger Ailes called free and fair or whatever, but an ideological weapon to twist opinion and to scare governments, as is happening still in the U.S., And of course,
0: it's crucially important in a democracy that broadcasters, presenters have the right to criticise the government, to question the government, to hold them to account. But it was noticeable that on Murdoch's talk radio in the UK, a large number of presenters were highly critical of the government's COVID lockdown measures, for example, without any intervention from Ofcom.
2: Yeah, and... We saw that Dan Wooten, who was a son celebrity journalist as well. It's kind of the succession line from Morgan to Coulson to him, now on GB News, you know, regularly interviews people making misstatements about a deadly pandemic. It's all very well, I don't like Boris Johnson, I don't think his government's any good, or I don't think, you know, Keir Starmer's any good. Public information about a deadly coronavirus and the measures to mitigate it are bang in of remit because the consequences of getting that wrong of telling people masks don't work or telling the vaccine will hurt you are immense and i would be you know talk radio sk- sk- you know skirts very closely on the edge of that i would be concerned the thing about morgan in control of it he's much more interested in the war and woke you know that's you know, this is somebody observed today. I think it's Jim Watson, an article that, like, you know, one, no better way of getting a book contract, a radio station, a TV station, is to claim you've been cancelled. And then you're everything. <laughs> I think Morgan sits in this interesting place where I, I think he does have enough integrity, which I, you know, to most people's surprise, I will credit uh, Andrew Neil with. Because uh, for one of his faults, his calumnies against Cal Cadwallader, he did stick up for the principle of truth or some basic, you don't pronounce lies and conspiracy theories. And I think it, I think Morgan, if he encountered some of the more obvious talk radio conspiracies about COVID, he would just hit it on the head because that is one thing he has going for him, is when it comes to facts, he has paid the price for getting them wrong. Whatever his opinions about, you know, Meghan Markle and woke... That is clearly in the opinion zone. He is got a sense of news, which I don't see much else on talk radio or GB News.
0: And then we have the scenario whereby Fox... In Fox's case, though, you had a situation where management controls imposed by Roger Ailes weakened with Ailes' departure. Murdoch, again, driving that agenda. And as somebody who's worked... I used to work for talk sport in the days when it was a news and current affairs channel as well as a sport channel the influence doesn't come directly rupert murdoch isn't on the phone talking to producers it's about producers and editors understanding what the drift of the station would be and i was allowed doing a nighttime program to be quite progressive quite left-wing by the standards of the station as indeed were people like george galloway but the overall trend of the station was set, the tone of the station was set by Murdoch's politics. So we may not quite have a a Fox News situation on our hands with Murdoch's new station, but Piers Morgan is intelligent enough to know that that will be expected to be the drift of Murdoch's new station, which he is the face
2: of. Yes, and let's not forget one of the biggest threats to democracy, and I'm reading the book Peril by Woodward and Costa at the moment, was Donald Trump and Piers Morgan was a big supporter of Donald Trump until that last moment. You're dead right about this censorship. I've appeared at Talk Radio talking about the Daniel Morgan murder, which does not bode well for the Murdoch empire. But that is irrelevant. I mean, The Times is the model of this and Times Radio is apparently doing quite well. Much more subtle than that, that what, you know commentators feature writers occasional news items allowed to write whatever they want to prove the independence so that when an election comes or a war comes they all toe the line there is no possibility of dissent of 140 murdoch newspaper properties in 2003 when the iraq invasion was in, in its offering one dissented from the iraq invasion And that internal control, which is enforced when it comes to elections, when it comes to the news pages, the Times is quite liberal and moderate in comment on news, and this treatment of Muslims. It's pretty much in that hard right wing zone. And so it is uh, there is still always underneath the velvet glove, the iron fist. But having said that, if this is Murdoch's future, he is 90. He is not immortal, and I wish him no ill, but his faculties are not going to be as sharp as they were forever. And I think looking at Rebecca Brooks's moves, particularly with talk radio and things like that, even the sun toning down some of its more extreme coverage, I think, as you say, they want to more, move more, slightly more into the right wing mainstream. And there is not, I think, the same gun toting, Bible belt. God fearing, Confederate, anti state feeling in the UK, which there is in the US, which Fox has capitalized on. I don't think you'll ever get to the point where we were with The Sun in the 1990s, the election of John Major, Kenneth losing surprisingly at the last minute, the 1992 elections. We could say The Sun, what won it? Or Talk Radio, what won it? having lost Sky, having lost the initial bid because of phone hacking or having withdrawn and sold it to Comcast, the rest of the 21st Century Fox to Disney, I think it's worrying. It's more potential toxicity and lack of balance and accuracy in the public sphere. But it doesn't compare to the Sun in the 80s and 90s. He'll never have that power, I don't think, over British politics again
0: peter dukes and if you do want to comment on that story do get in touch you can email goldberg radio at gmail.com or join the conversation at byline times pod on twitter we've also got byline radio coming soon more details in the next few weeks i'm adrian goldberg this has been the byline times podcast funded by subscriptions to the byline times get more details at bylinetimes.com thanks for listening see you next week